All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Today. He's Angel Munoz. I'm Adrian Bratis. Jason Craig, back in the building, back in the house with us. What's going on, Jason? Happy what? Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back. Welcome back to you, man. How's yeah, it going? It's good. Did you talk about your vacation already? Yeah, I gave a little vacation review. I loved Cali. Um, you were you were definitely right, man. When you head out there to the Ventura, L.A., kind of Carpinteria area, it's just so beautiful. And to go in the summer when here it's 104 degrees right now and go over there, it's 72 and you need a light jacket – I mean, what, what more could you ask for? Nice. Yeah, nice. it was perfect, man. So I'm glad to be back. Glad to talk some sports today. A lot to get to. Uh, man, there's just so much to do with all of this. Uh, Jason, what, what's going on today? How, how was your day off yesterday? A uh, much, much deserved day off after uh, working a busy weekend. Needed, needed some rest. Sunday was a little scorcher. It was hot. Oh, it yeah. It was a little hot. So I got some rest yesterday. Um, washed the van today. Okay. Did a, okay. Little, did a little photo shoot with the boy. All right, I like it. Okay, this is uh, all good stuff. And for those who are who are tuning in for the first time in a little while, Jason Craig, newly acquired acquisition here on 600 ESPN El Paso. We got him out of the free agent pool. Uh, he was a he was a mid level exception, so we were able to get him at a at a pretty good deal on our end. So we uh, we bought in at this point. He's a rising prospect in the league, uh, and we bought in high. So uh, you know what, the stock is only going to go up from here, Jason. So buy, buy low right here. And then uh, we, we can watch you grow in, in the in the radio station. Is that right? <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> That was a great line. Hey, uh, we got a lot to get to. Of course, we'll get to the NBA Finals recap. That's a huge one. Um, Golden State takes a commanding 3-2 lead over Boston. I did not see this coming. Um, I, I actually, you know, I picked Boston yesterday. I thought they would bounce back. It seemed like, you know, throughout this whole postseason, Boston had, had been that team who was resilient, and they would bounce back after falling, uh, you know, from a deficit. But and, and, you know, Golden State steals the one on Game 4. Boston looks a little... Uh, lackluster yesterday, and it wasn't Steph. Like every, everybody wants to talk about Steph left and right being the Finals MVP. No, it wasn't him. It was a Golden State win by committee, and it was Boston's inefficiencies that you know they couldn't make a shot throughout the the last part of the stretch. I thought in the third quarter the Celtics were possibly going to take the game at that point. Uh, I liked what I saw at points and stretches from Jason Tatum, although he's still not the same guy that the Celtics need him to be. They need him to be a a four quarter type of player, and yesterday he just wasn't that. The Warriors. One game away from victory and sealing the NBA Finals. I, I, you know what, Jason? I, I can't say I'm shocked because the Warriors were the favorites going into this series. But I'll tell you this. If they win it in six, that says a lot about this Golden State Warriors team. And it also might say a little bit about this Boston team. Maybe you know they're still a little too young to try to compete at this level versus a, a team like the Golden State Warriors, who is, uh, as we know, uh, full with some great veterans. Yeah, um, like you said, Curry just... He he wasn't there. The whole team really wasn't there. Like if I'm I'm looking at the the the, the box scores now and uh, the threes, not, nobody made anything. It was horrible. Yeah, it, just, it was terrible. It, horrible. But uh, Wiggins, it, he went off. Wiggins went off. It was it was um, not even a. It wasn't even a team effort. They just got away with it. 
You know, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Wiggins because I, I feel like we always undervalue Wiggins, especially me. I, I, I've i watched Andrew Wiggins since his time with the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, and he was really a castaway. You go all the way back to when Jimmy Butler left the Minnesota Timberwolves and got in that in-practice fight with him. He ends up leaving that team, doesn't even look back, doesn't look over his shoulder, and he's so ready to move on uh, from, that, uh, from that Minnesota team. Now, Andrew Wiggins was one of those guys on the opposite side of the floor and then at that point I was like man no one in their right mind is going to want Andrew Wiggins at this level where his trade value was at that point um, and, th- and then you look in the flip side the Warriors they had a guy like D'Angelo Russell who you know he couldn't stay there long term that's Clay Thompson's position that's Steph Curry's position right there you, he can't be in the backcourt clogging uh, minutes and space like that so the Warriors end up dealing away D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins and at the time I, I think I was even on Sports Talk saying I didn't like it for either team I, I really I thought that the Minnesota Timberwolves um, you know, gave up Andrew Wiggins at that point, and I, I didn't really think that he was adding or subtracting much from their team, but I didn't think that D'Angelo Russell was going to bring a lot to the Timberwolves either, so I kind of thought it was a lose-lose. Now you, know, you look back on that trade years later, it was a massive, massive win for the Golden State Warriors, getting Andrew Wiggins, who can guard anybody on the perimeter uh, in this NBA Finals. He's been uh, consistent throughout this postseason, and it's time to give him his flowers because Andrew Wiggins is a guy who can actually play for you in a playoff game when everything is on the line and yesterday he proved just that he's not going to put up you know big time numbers but 26 points 13 rebounds no he went off I he mean that's huge he, he he stepped up huge uh the rest of the team it, it, everybody else it was a flop um and I'm looking you know if you look at Boston's numbers it was the starters that did everything, and nobody off the bench did anything. They did nothing yeah. off the bench, and that's probably what hurt them easily. Yeah. Um, you know, Poole, he didn't have that many minutes, but he still got, you know, 14 points. You got uh, Gary Payne, number two, you know, he got 15 points. He didn't play that much. So it, it's I've, – I've been saying this since the, the, the playoffs started. The Warriors have so many different weapons, and when it happens – it happens, and you're not expecting it to happen. Someone's going to pick it up. You, you know, it's real interesting, too, because I thought Boston had the better role players going into this series. Like, you, you just look at it on paper. Guys like Grant Williams, who guarded Giannis Antetokounmpo. It wasn't like he's just came out of nowhere in the series against the Miami Heat. He was going toe-to-toe with the best player in the NBA right now, and he was locking him down defensively. But he's been a complete non-factor throughout this whole NBA final stretch. You look at guys like, uh, you know, Derek White. He was He's somebody where if Derek White is producing for you, Things are pretty much happening. Good things are happening for the Boston Celtics. Yesterday, he plays 21 minutes and has just one point, three assists, and uh, and one rebound. What a terrible number! Exactly, just a huge flop. Yeah, and, and Peyton Pritchard doesn't give you much yesterday. He oh, he was quick, 0 for three in just five minutes of action. So he's he's trying to score, but not really giving you much on the defensive side. And it's for it forced guys like Jason Tatum, like uh, of course Jalen Brown to play 44 minutes in yesterday's game. Injured Marcus Smart played 40 minutes as well, and they still couldn't get it done. I felt like the Celtics threw everything they could at the Warriors yesterday to try to steal a win on the road. It could it didn't happen, and now the Warriors they're up. They're up uh, three two in this series. They can close it out in Boston tomorrow. No, it's going to be. I think it's, it's going to be done. There's no way with you know with them playing that many the Celtics playing that many minutes of starters, like and you couldn't get it done. No, 
that's not happening. You can't. Everybody, the bench has to pick it up. And if you look at the the Warriors, it's spread in a good a good amount where somebody can sit down and rest. Curry was off. You know what, 230-something games yep. straight consecutive with threes, and psh, it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's so gone. weird. And, like, and, not one three, not and, one. <laughs> and it, it seemed like the crowd was re- – you know, the crowd gets so anticipated. You, If you watch those games, when he's about to shoot that three, they, they start getting excited, and then when he misses it, it's kind of like a, ah. Was it Wiggins that shot that half court? No, pool. pool. Oh, my gosh, that I know, was crazy. off the glass, uh, at the buzzer. Yeah, that's kind of where things turned at the end of the third quarter, and the, the Warriors ended up uh, taking control in the fourth quarter to seal this game, 104-94. Our telephone number, 915-505-6009 to get into the show. We're taking your calls this first hour if you'd like to get in on the program. Now is the time to do it. 600 ESPN El Paso, also on Twitter. at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Um, let's go over to another storyline that's coming up today. How about this? The UTEP men's basketball team, as uh, as Jeff Goodman reported, they will be uh, set to host a MTE uh, um, uh, an MTE around Thanksgiving week, including teams like uh, Texas A and M Corpus Christi, Cal State Bakersfield, and Alcorn State. So this is a multi team event. It's not an invitational. It's not a tournament. It's just a, a way that the miners can have a chance to host these three teams in a given week. And this is a second holiday kind of invitational event, whatever you want to call it. I, just call it event. This is the the second kind of holiday event, knowing that the miners will also have and host the. John Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational around mid to late December. So interesting, um, you know, development that we're finding out for the UTEP men's basketball team. We'll talk about this more uh, later on in the program as well. Also, want to give you guys the rundown for today. We got Carlos Lemus joining us on the on the program. He's going to join us at five o'clock. The newest Chipola College transfer for the UTEP Miners. And how about this? UTEP basketball is now practicing. They're getting ready for workouts. I know we're talking June, but uh, UTEP men's basketball fans, they love to talk UTEP basketball 365. It doesn't really matter what time of year it is. Uh, So we're going to get a chance to meet the newest UTEP basketball signee. He's going to stop by our Lubingo Studios at 5 o'clock. And then 6 o'clock, we're going to get a chance. I can't wait for this one. Uh, One of the inductees of the 2022 class of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame, Chris Sneed in the officials category, he will be joining us at our in our six o'clock hours o- over the phone. And if you might not know Chris Sneed, he's inducted into the Hall of Fame as part of the officials category. He left for Lubbock. He currently works as the vice president of the Texas Tech Alumni Association. But how about this? That's his, that's his full-time job. Part-time job, he's officiating college baseball and college football games, uh, and he does it for conferences like Conference USA and the SEC. So he's probably he's been around a ton, uh, and he's been around a, a, a plenty games across his uh, timeline. So we're going to get a chance to talk to Chris Need and visit with the newest inductee of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. The banquet coming up next week, so we're going to have a lot of Hall of Fame members throughout this week and next week ahead of the big banquet. Uh, Again, our telephone number, 915-505-6009, as we get started here on Sports Talk, 600 ESPN El Paso, also on Twitter, at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Hey, how about this story today, Jason? Troy Aikman is going to make an appearance in El Paso. 
this upcoming Monday. Yeah, the Troy Aikman. How how uh, wild is that? That the uh, the longtime Cowboys quarterback, the uh, television broadcaster, he's going to be headed to the nine one five to promote his newest beer, Eight. He joined us on Sports Talk about a month ago, and uh, he was great talking about this newest beer that that will be debuting in El Paso, starting out at Cabo Joseph Four, then going to headquarters Tap House at five, and then closing things out at Union Draft House on Sunland at six o'clock. All happening. Monday, uh, June 20th. Isn't that interesting? He's just making his rounds, huh? Yeah, I guess he's uh, making the rounds. I'm wondering, like, what, what's going to happen? Is he just going to get on a podium or something? Maybe take some photos? I, I'm sure it's probably no autographs, but uh, he's probably going to be doing some things for this. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but it's 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 Troy Aikman. Oh, this is like, this is El Pasoans are going to go crazy over this. Oh, no, they're already going nuts. I know they're tailgating right now. Yeah, and <laughs> in fact, uh, Troy Aikman sent out a tweet today. It was on the side of a delivery truck for eight, his newest beer. So uh, he's uh, already promoting this. He's already talking about the different visits that he's got planned all across the state of Texas. So that's coming on Monday as part of uh, an announcement that just happened today. So I know a lot of people in El Paso are really excited about Troy Aikman coming to town to promote his newest beer. Um, I'd be curious to know, you know, if, if he gets a chance to actually visit with the UTEP football team. He's already he's been known as uh, as a donor for the Live Like Luke uh, fight uh, nutrition station that's out there for the UTEP athletes. Um, that's the nutrition statement uh, st- a station named after Luke Loffenberg, the late UTEP tight end who passed away before uh, starting the season uh, with the minors a-, a couple years ago. And uh, Babe Loffenberg, his dad, started this foundation. He does it because he knew that his son Luke loved uh, smoothies and different uh, nutrition things like like that and he wanted to help provide that for UTEP athletes. Well, one of their biggest donors is actually Troy Aikman. So I'm curious to know if if uh, Aikman will get a chance to actually visit the UTEP campus, visit with uh, head coach Dana Dimmel and Gavin Hardison. I think that'd be a really cool thing right there. And for El Pasoans, I mean, come on, man, they they love. People are still wearing their Troy Aikman jerseys they bought 20 years ago uh, around town, so or or 30 years ago now around town. So yeah, people are going to be uh, pretty pumped about this one right here. You say Cowboys in El Paso, and uh, this city this city will flock to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to. I want to. Should we go before? We we should we should try. What's the I, first one? I threw a I threw out a uh, request. It's out at I think it's out at Bikini Joe's the first one. Okay. And so I threw out a request. Let's see what kind of media availability he's got. So let's let's uh I guess that's a TBD. But yeah, I'm way ahead of you. I'm I'm with you on that, Jason. We gotta we gotta make it uh, a, a point to try to head out there or to visit with him here on the radio show to talk about that. So I'm all I'm all about that for sure. Hey, we're just getting underway. We're co- uh, we're gonna come back after our first break. Coming up next, UIL had interesting developments that happened today as part of their annual meetings. We'll tell you a little bit about that. We'll also get uh, into this UTEP Thanksgiving series that they're having for men's basketball. We'll talk about the field, and we'll talk about more for the UTEP men's basketball schedule as Sports Talk continues. But first, let's get to our first traffic update. Charlie One standing by with the latest here on Sports Talk. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian brought us along with Jason Craig, Angel Munoz, who's playing some Freddie Gibbs. Happy birthday to Freddie Gibbs. Shout out to YYS, who uh, sent us 
the little nugget that it's his birthday today. Um, hey, we want to get uh, we want to get your thoughts and your questions. If you have any sports thoughts on your mind, now is the time to call us. 915-505-6009 is the number to call. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That's where Paul Marmolejo is checking in left and right. He's talking about the Live Golf Invitational. And, uh, yeah, he's saying golf is uniquely mine. He had a series of tweets about the Live Golf Invitational. I think he's excited about the the fact that the Live Golf actually allows players, uh, you know, an opportunity to make a lot of money despite, you know, um, not uh, despite all its controversy, I think he he definitely likes the fact that it gives these different golfers opportunities to actually go out and play. Hey, U.S. Open is this week, so all those guys who are out in the Live Golf event the past weekend, they'll get a chance to be out at the U.S. Open this weekend. Be a little awkward to see some of the PGA guys with the Live guys this week, uh, but uh, nonetheless, should be should be uh, pretty fun to kind of watch that drama unfold. Hey, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the UTEP basketball multi-team event that. It's happening during Thanksgiving week in just a little bit. Jeff Goodman of Stadium reported this. We actually have the story up on the website at 600ESPNElPaso.com. But I, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about the UIL today. Um, during the summer, the UIL meets. They they have a di- different proposals that come their way. And the UIL Standing Committee on Athletics, they actually uh, go out and vote on their agenda, which was uh, today, actually. So the Legislative Council meeting happened. Proposals... Um, were definitely very interesting out of this mix. And so we'll talk about some of them uh, that that happened and and different things that we ended up finding out out of the UIL uh, meetings today. So number one, really interesting, a proposal was on the table today to uh, add a shot clock for high school basketball. Now this is really interesting because there's been a long debate uh, on both sides. Should there be a shot clock in, in high school basketball? Should you allow the, you know, no shot clock? Is it too difficult? It's been, a, it's been a long debate, which I'd be, you know, for somebody on the ground, maybe a coach or somebody who's actually there, a parent who's active out there uh, for the UIL and has seen their, their son or their players play at the high school level with no shot clock. I'd love to hear their thoughts on this because uh, today the UIL denied and rejected, took no action on the proposal to add a shot clock. So that will have to be tabled for another time if that would ever be implemented. And Jason, we do not have a shot clock in high school basketball as a result. What? (laughs) How are you going to learn to play like in a time limit when it's crunch time? Like... what? Was this news to you? Did you know this? I didn't never even heard of anything like that. I wonder. I, I don't even know if this is the case or not. But I wonder um, what the shot clock is at the AAU level. If it's like thirty-two or something like that. I, I'm also curious to know if other high schools across the country and other states do. I think this. it's thirty. Most high schools, I think, is about thirty. Yeah, it's interesting that in Texas there's no shot clock. I, I mean, you know, as somebody who's covered high school basketball during his time, I, I will say this. There are teams out there who use the no shot clock to their advantage. I mean, they play that real slow down Princeton-style offense. They they use a lot of time on offense trying to ping the ball around the perimeter and make it as difficult for the defense to try to get at them. Uh, and they rely on on just being patient, be, finding that open man and being, you know, dragging out possessions, dragging Dragging out plays. Um, you know, we've seen this locally. We've seen this across the state. There are teams who prefer to slow things down, and that's their brand of basketball. So they would <laughs> not want uh, the, shot clock viol- uh, the shot clock to actually be implemented in uh, high school basketball. How if I, I make two points, that's it. 
come chase me. It would be it's ridiculous. That sounds ridiculous. I know that was the most drastic of all situations, but and what can they do? What can the refs do if they really just make two points and just walk around for the rest of the game? Yeah, I would have loved to been on the uh, yeah, a fly on the wall in this legislative council meeting today to hear the arguments against it. Why, why they rejected it, didn't take an action. Maybe there wasn't a, a good follow-up plan. Like, you know, you still have to hire a clock operator. At that point, you'd have to hire a second person at that level if you, if you decided to implement something like that. And maybe schools couldn't do that. Or maybe the UIL felt that was tough. I'm not sure. I would have loved to have known a little bit more about what the UIL standing committee said on this one right here, uh, but I don't get it either, Jason. If you're a high school, uh, if you're in high school basketball, I, I think maybe you should wa- have a shot clock at least at the varsity level. If you're not doing it at the JV and freshman level, yeah, I understand those those kids are still developing, getting better, and things like that. But if you're at the varsity level, um, hey, that's the closest thing to the next level, which is college and playing at that kind of level. So if you want to get these players out to uh, out to the highest level, I mean, maybe challenge them a little bit more with the shot clock if it's feasible. If you're actually able to do it uh, with reason, if they have a half court clock or if they have a out of bounds clock then I can understand that, right? So you got to do it, you know, get the ball inbound by five, you know, whatever, eight, yeah. s- eight seconds to get across half court. Then the pressure's on, it doesn't matter. But if, it, if there's none of those things are there, then that's, you know, that's a problem. I see what you're the saying. The five-second inbound has to be there. I see what you're saying. So maybe make it on the refs instead of a shot clock guy at the scores table. Maybe it's like a ref who's like who does the shot clock themselves. I, I don't know. I mean, hey, look, uh, referees in football at the high school level they take they take control of like the delay of games. Mm-hmm. They they have a they have a game clock there. So you could translate it over to the high school basketball era. I mean, uh, side of things a little bit, you know, in, in that regard. But I, I'm not sure. I, I'd be curious to know what ended up happening. I'd be also curious to know from some listeners who might have an opinion on this. Uh, whether or not there should be a shot clock at the UIL level at 915-505-6009. Moving on with some more um, items on this uh, on this list. The UIL, this is interesting. How about this one? There was a proposal to actually prevent freshmen to play on varsity at the UIL level. Now, it's interesting because may, there was, I think, an argument that uh, freshmen shouldn't compete in a, a varsity sport. It's still a place where they should probably develop either at the freshman or the JV level. Don't throw them in right away. I mean, I'm... I'm my mind goes right away to football, and it's kind of tough, you know, throwing a 14-year-old into the mix and, and being in a contact sport like that, a very physical sport like that. I understand where, where people could come with on this. Uh, this proposal got rejected today, so freshmen, of course, can, can still compete on varsity, and, uh, you know, it, it really helps the small schools. I, I think the small schools really rely on uh, younger players to play and field their team. I mean, the 1A through 4A levels, they'll rely on everybody. Who wants to come out and try for things like football or things like track and field, things like basketball, stuff like that? Uh, you look at a city, uh, you look at a school like Dell City, which only has an enrollment, get this, of 14 students. Yeah, when it's six-man football, they're going to need a, uh, a freshman class to come in, and they're go- going to need as many bodies as they can. They only have 14 kids in their entire class. I mean, the, the students. So yeah, you're you're definitely going to need as many people like that. So I'm happy this one was uh, was shot down by the UIL committee. With freshmen being part of varsity, uh, it helps the team with the you know the, the the other thing, right? If the teams are watching film and they're like, okay, you need to pay attention to this person, but then you throw this freshman in there where they have no tape on them, they don't know who he is. What if this freshman is 
six seven. Well, yeah. And we've seen that before. Put him right, right there on varsity. <laughs> Put him on. He can, six, he can get slid, slid right in. No, and we've seen that before. We've seen younger guys step up at, at the freshman level. And and that's the other thing is when you see freshmen play for some of these bigger schools, then it's like, oh wow, I'm circling that name. I'm putting a star there because that person is going to get a ton of scholarships down the line and uh, could be playing at that next level in college. So yeah, I think we're both in agreement here that uh, that you know with the uh, freshman freshmen uh, being allowed to play on varsity. I think that's a really good thing. I, yeah, I don't even awesome. know why that was even on the table. Uh, and then finally, there was one more that came out of today's uh, UIL meetings. The UIL denied or took no action on a proposal to move soccer from the spring to the fall. Um, I'm just going to say this. If there was fall soccer in the city of El Paso, you'd have some freezing, freezing game. And you already have freezing games for the spring season in soccer. Like, you're talking about those January, February soccer matches. Like, those are cold, cold games. So, I don't I, I don't know if you, if you translated it to, what, August through uh, November, then you're still getting the cold part of November. Like, football has to deal with. So... I don't know. What do you think about this one right here? As, as far as it's tough, right? Because in El Paso, you might get this kind of weather versus all the way East Texas in, uh, you know, Houston, you might get another kind of weather. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. That's uh, dealing with the weather. That's the problem, you know, and they're running and that, you know, it's outdoors. Yeah, it is outdoors. Yeah. You can't, you're going to move it inside. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's interesting to kind of see these things pop up today. So nothing really got passed by the UIL, um, and uh, I'm curious to know if that shot clock ends up becoming a thing down the line. Our telephone number, 915-505-6009. That's 915-505-6009. Oh, I got something. Pinky with a good one. Eight states have approved using a shot clock at the high school level, including Massachusetts, New York, Maryland, Rhode Island, North and South Dakota, Washington, and you guessed it, California. So there you go. You have eight states across the country who do have a shot clock at the uh, at that level. How about this one also from Pinky? I didn't know this. Did you know that high, uh, New Mexico high schools allow eighth graders to play in varsity sports? Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's that's wild right there. You could have a 13-year-old playing with an 18-year-old. What if the 13-year-old dunks on the 18-year-old? <laughs> I would love to know that story if that was the case. Or if you know if they if they even have like some football players who are on like the like a an 8th oh, grade roster. Oh, this is all sports. Yeah, oh. yeah. So that's that's pretty interesting, huh? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know that, but good job, Pinky. I didn't know that right there. Thanks for chiming in on the show. You could also chime in at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter if you have more thoughts on this one. Hey, let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit more about this UTEP basketball multi-team event that's happening during Thanksgiving week. Um, today we found out from Jeff Goodman of Stadium. He reported uh, that UTEP is hosting this multi-team event. It's happening on November 22nd and 23rd. No game on Thanksgiving. And then happening on the 25th. So the Field will include teams like Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Cal State Bakersfield, and Alcorn State. So um, if, if you're a listener right now, if you're hearing this, probably, number one, you're saying, why are you guys talking about basketball here in the month of June? Well, uh, you talked basketball here in this town, 365, because this is a UTEP basketball town. And then number two, you also look at this uh, field and you might say, wow, I mean, 
this is a terrible group of teams. Like what what's going on here? Um, I'll say we'll we'll break down the teams in a second. I'm not I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you if you think that way, but let's talk a little bit more about this multi-team event. So first off, this is the first time we see this happen on the men's basketball side of things. Now we see this happen on the women's side. They do the Thanksgiving Classic. They usually have multiple teams come in, and uh, maybe even uh, you know in in some of these events that go on throughout the season, they end up playing a road game out of it. But not the case for the men's basketball team. This will all take place at the Don Haskins Center, uh, and yeah, the the invitation, the Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational. That's more of that tournament. That's more of the thing where if one team beats the other team, they advance to the championship game, and you have awards, you have a trophy presentation. That's the that's the whole philosophy behind the Sun Bowl, uh, the Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational, which happens every single year. Again, this is the first time we've seen a multi-team event happen with the UTEP men's basketball program. In addition to the Sun Bowl Invitational. So I I find that in itself pretty interesting, knowing that they're going this route. I also want to know, I mean, we won't know the uh, entire UTEP basketball schedule until the end of the summer probably, but I'm curious to know how this will kind of shake up different things with scheduling, like what what teams are coming into town uh, that will sell some tickets. You know this this town, they love to watch the marquee types of teams, and they want to see those, you know, I believe New Mexico's coming to town this year since UTEP went on the road last year. That's one to kind of note, but what other teams are coming in? Are they getting a Power 5 team on their home roster, a home schedule, or is that too difficult, and instead they're going the mid-major route? Um, How much does does the opponent play into your uh, fandom when you're watching UTEP men's basketball, Jason? Because uh, some people tell me that, oh, well, I'm not going to go watch UTEP versus Old Dominion. Why would I want to see that team? How much does that factor into your thoughts when you go to men's basketball games? Uh, no, it doesn't factor at all because what I'm trying to go see is my squad, you know, UTEP is, that's what I want to see. I want to see my squad win. If I'm going to go watch another team beat my home team, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to go watch a basketball game. What else am I going to do? Yeah, I right, that Right? Isn't that like the saying out here? What else am I going to do? Yeah. There's nothing to do out here. There's plenty to do. And a UTEP game, I'm going to go. I don't care who's going to play. That's interesting because I, now, what do you say to the fans who say the other thing? Because, I, like, how, what are you supposed to argue against them um, other than, hey, it, it's the only thing to do in town, or it's it's a great thing to do in town, along with X, Y, and Z? Um, because I, I get it when some fans say. All right, I'll come if it's BYU. I'll come if it's a Mountain West team or somebody that we actually know. But what affiliation do I have with Cal State Bakersfield? What ha- what affiliation do I have with Texas A&M Corpus Christi? Things like that. Well, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, twenty three and twelve in two thousand twenty one twenty two season. Mm, okay, so pretty good record right there, buddy. Now, I might want to watch that to see what's going on. But I mean, sixty six. That's all I got to say. Yeah, it's a basketball town. I think it's more about buying into this basketball team, more about buying into the program. I I hear where where you're going with this one. Uh, Let's talk about more about these teams. You bring up uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, the Islanders. Fourth place spot, like you mentioned, 23-12 this past year. That's a pretty good record right there for the Islanders. Uh, They played in uh, Joe Golding's previous conference, the Southland Conference. They were fourth place in that league. So not not a bad finish whatsoever by uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Uh, and if, if I'm not mistaken, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think they made one of those um, make-believe league uh, postseason tournaments. Actually, uh, wow. 
They were actually, excuse me, this is uh, this is on me on this one. They won the Southland Conference Tournament, actually, Jason. Last year, they beat Southeastern Louisiana 73-65. They were part of that play-in game in the NCAA tournaments. You know where, like, the 16th seed also plays the 16th seed? Oh, where my bracket busted right away? <laughs> right there? Oh, man, it's funny. They played Texas Southern, and they lost to Texas Southern. So that they were they were pretty much in. They punched their ticket, rightfully so. They just couldn't win in that play-in tournament. Uh, so yeah, Texas. This is a head. This is a tournament headline by Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who's coming off a twenty-three and twelve season. Head coach uh, Steve Lutz over there is entering his second year on the helm. So they'll be coming into town. I guess you know that's a that's a uh, above average team out of the mid-major ranks. You look a little bit deeper, right? So like you're going to Cal State Bakersfield. That's a team where you start scratching your head and you're wondering what's going on here. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's that bad. eight and nineteen overall. They were ninth uh, last year in the Big West, and it's not like the Big West has uh, teams running the NCAA tournament left and right. Uh, that league is not necessarily great. Uh, and and head coach Rod Barnes, he's he's been there forever at Cal State Bakersfield. You you look back to the time when they were in the WAC just two seasons ago. They were going up against uh, NMSU regularly. So people in this area know of Cal State Bakersfield from that. They switch over to the Big West Conference uh, after the pandemic season and uh, just haven't had success in that league so far. So that's that that's the team where you kind of take a little bit of step of a step back in this multi-team event uh, that the Miners are hosting. Yeah, and their players don't have uh, – they're not on the board like that. Like Their best guy, Justin McCall, 11.3 a game. Yeah, what? just not not producing too much. I, I hear you completely. Uh, Alcorn State, a sleeper right here for sure, 17-17. and 17. They actually finished another one uh, – another team who was strong in their own conference. They finished first in the regular season at the, in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, however, they failed to actually qualify for the NCAA tournament. They lost in their uh, – they actually lost in their tournament – to a team in Texas Southern, who we just mentioned, uh, both those teams out of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and uh, yeah, even though the Braves actually made the, fir- they finished first place in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, they weren't able to actually go and punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament, falling to Texas Southern. So hey, you got you got team two teams who are at the top of their respective mid-major conference, and they're coming to town in El Paso. They're going to play the Miners, and if you're UTEP right here, th- this is a uh, this is a series and an event where you should go three and zero. I mean, there's no excuse right there. The Miners are are a quality program coming off a twenty win season. Uh, I know they restacked their entire roster, and I know that there will be growing pains with this team. But the expectation for this group always has to be when you t- take on teams like this. It always has to be that they uh, that they could go out and beat these t- types of teams. Maybe that's why we're doing things a little bit early this year. You know, starting in June, let's talk about some basketball because we got to restructure the whole team. Everybody's got to be on the same page, and it's going to take time to do that. And if you wait until the normal time you to do that, it's just going to be a mess, and you're just forcing something. So you might as well try to figure that out right now instead of doing it a little bit later. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because you so, sometimes uh, in the summer it's you know it's, th- it's about conditioning, it's a things about workouts, which, which is all going on behind closed doors. I mean, you're, you're watching Kevin Callu workout tapes left and right because this guy's getting big, uh, and, and you want to see things like that. But at the same time, this is good that the players are actually in El Paso. Like The fact that we're going to get a chance to actually interview uh, Carlos Lemus face-to-face, like, that's exciting. That's, those are the things that people are, are pumped about. 
about uh, for for hearing about here in, in the month of June that these kids are here on campus and they're ready to go and, and excited about things like this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, 915-505-6009 is our telephone number if you'd like to weigh in. 600 ESPN El Paso, also on Twitter. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, we're going to close hour number one. Coming up on hour number two, at the start of hour number two, we'll have Carlos Lemus join us from UTEP Men's Basketball. He is their newest signee and their newest recruit from Chipola College. You're listening to Sports Talk right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. Final segment here of hour number one. Coming up next... Carlos Lemus from the UTEP men's basketball team. He'll join us live in our Lubingo studios to talk about his recent commitment to the minors and talk about what it's like working out with this team so far. Our telephone number, 915-505-6009. It's our telephone number to get in here on Sports Talk. Uh, big news that just broke right now. I love this. Kevin Acey reports that Ryan Weathers, that's right, El Paso Chihuahua's lefty, he is expected to be called up to the San Diego Padres, and he'll actually get the start tomorrow for the Padres out at Wrigley Field. Ah, that's awesome that the, the El Paso Chihuahuas get another one to go up there uh, for the Padres. And, man, talk about being thrust into the into the mix right away, getting a chance to go out and, uh, and compete here uh, out at Wrigley Field. Our telephone number? 915-505-6009 as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's uh, let's continue out with uh, some more news that happened today. Uh, this Actually, let's go shift back over to Game 5 recap from last night. Golden State Warriors beating the Celtics 104-94. If you'd like to talk about this one with us, uh, definitely give us a call 915-505-6009. Draymond Green, I called him out yesterday, and what does he do? He uh, at least provides a little bit more production than what he did in Game 4. Uh, Draymond Green was the enforcer. He was actually driving in and, and scoring baskets for this team. But the story was Andrew Wiggins. I mean, the first-time All-Star who a lot of people question all season long, including yours truly, and uh, he is on his way to trying to become a uh, th- to become a uh, first time NBA champion, which I find so cool. I mean, this is just one of the coolest thing right there uh, th- that they can get a chance to do it. Hey, uh, Angel, we got Carlos outside from UTEP basketball. Would you mind letting him in? I appreciate that. Uh, also, want to let everybody know that uh, you know when, when you look at this game a little bit more. It wasn't just uh, Steph, it wasn't just uh, Steph Curry who had a tough one. It was you know guys on the Celtics that you look at like Jason Tatum and uh, and uh, Jalen Brown. But Steph Curry he had a forty three point performance, and then he co- he comes back and just scores sixteen last night and eight assists. But he was zero for nine from beyond the arc yesterday. That's what that's what uh, you know. Uh, my, it was kind of a mind blower to me, at least, Jason. The fact that Steph Curry, yeah, he he's got it going uh, on this entire series, yet he struggled uh, yesterday when it came to scoring from three point land. I don't know. I think he was a little nervous. I don't know why he'd be nervous though. You're at home. Just he just couldn't. Nothing went in. Nothing went in. He had good shots. Yeah. It was the normal shots that he would take. Yeah, that's it exactly just, right. They just never fell in. And no. So, um, you know. Uh, when he has games like that, and especially now that we're we're kind of on him right now, it's like, yo, man, you just broke that streak. <laughs> he, 
He takes it personal. No, I completely understand. Jason Tatum had 27 points, 10 rebounds for the Celtics, who lost back-to-back games for the first time in the postseason. Uh, that's one of those crazy things in itself. Marcus Smart, he was actually whistled for a technical foul, then an offensive foul. That was probably the point where you thought, oh, things are going sideways for this team. Yeah, things right are not going uh, well for this group whatsoever. Hey, we're going to take an early break right now to our uh, hour end, and then we're going to come back. Carlos Lemus is going to join us at the top of the hour. Stay with us as Sports Talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian Bratis here along with Angel Munoz, Jason Craig, Carlos Lemos joining us here in our Lubingo Studios, newest UTEP basketball commit. Starting this hour a little bit earlier here on the show, uh, just uh, just got a chance to go out on, on our break and, and get Carlos settled in and everything. Uh, and Carlos, welcome to El Paso, welcome to UTEP, welcome to our Lubingo Studios, man. Thanks so much for stopping by today. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for the invitation. You know, it's so interesting, Carlos. We were just talking during the break. This uh, this city just really loves basketball and, and loves the sport so much. Uh, you, uh, you committed to this UTEP basketball team just a few weeks ago to round out the roster. Uh, what's the whole journey been like for you? I, coming from Chipola College, now joining this UTEP men's basketball team. Man, it's been great. I feel like it's been, uh, it is a great opportunity for me. Uh, I appreciate Coach Golden taking a chance on me. And I just... Grateful for the opportunity. Oh, that's awesome. Again, we got Carlos Lemos joining us here in our Lubingo studios. If you have a question for Carlos and you want to ask the newest UTEP basketball commit any questions, now is the time to do it. You could also get in on the phones with him as well at 915-505-6009 as we get through here on a on a busy Tuesday afternoon on the show. Uh, Carlos, uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about. First off, let, let's talk a little bit about your game and, uh, and what you bring to the table. You come from Chipola College at the junior college level what kind of player are you when you play basketball and I feel like I'm like a two-way player I feel like I can play defense I take a lot of pride on defense um, I also can play make you know create for my teammates I feel like I can shoot I'm a good enough shooter pass get to the ring I feel like I can do a little bit of everything on the court Nice. Uh, and when you're talking about your offensive game, let's start there for, for a moment. Um, you At Chipola, you played point guard. Yeah. And at, on this basketball team, you have a lot of guys who, who can play um, multiple positions in the backcourt. What kind of versatility can you bring at that position for point guard, being maybe both on ball and maybe a little bit off ball as well? Man, I feel I can bring just being uh, making simple plays, smart plays, just, you know, play basketball the right way, just keep my teammates when they open. Just playing basketball the right way, man. That's all I'm trying to do. That's what coach coaching us to do. So that's what we're looking forward. How'd you start playing basketball? You say what? How'd you uh, how'd you first start playing basketball? I, I started playing basketball when I was ten years old back in Venezuela. I remember I went uh, I went to high school. I was coming back from school and I see my family, my cousin, my brothers, they playing outside in front of my house. They built this ring, like they hook on the in the wall, right? So I see them, I'm like, yo, that's cool. Why y'all playing? Yeah, I want to play too. They were like, no, you're not good enough to play with us right now. You got to get better. So I kind of started practicing. And then over time, they let me play with them. So that's how I kind of started playing basketball. That is a really cool story right there, huh, Jason? That is from the ground up right there. So so what was it like playing basketball in Venezuela growing up? No, it was, it was really cool, you know, because like back home, 
for the kids in Venezuela, their dreams to come to America and play basketball. Seems like we all know America got the best basketball. So we all just dream of coming to America, play basketball, develop, just get better, and also get education here. But yeah, that's just the goal back home. But it was really cool just playing every, uh, over there. It's a nice country too, so it was it was really nice. I think that's probably a real welcoming to you being here in El Paso, which has a bi-national community. You have uh, Juarez, Mexico, right across the border uh, in El Paso. I would say everybody everybody here is Hispanic at some degree, almost 90% Hispanics here in El Paso. I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit more welcoming coming here to El Paso, correct? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I feel like I'm home. Really? Yeah. Everybody speaks Spanish. When I go around, I can't talk to people in Spanish. Just communicate. It's easier for me to communicate, obviously. So it's just been great. Was basketball your first love uh, in terms of sports, or did you play anything else uh, growing up as well? Nah, basketball is my first love. I just I play a little bit of soccer, baseball growing up, but just never as much as basketball. Basketball always been my main sport. What what you like about basketball so much? Is it hitting a, a shot in somebody's face and calling game? Is it uh, playing some lockdown defense against somebody? Uh, or, or is it just seeing your success kind of what, what's about it? What's about this sport that you love? Man, to be honest I fell in love with the game just watching my, my family playing outside. I think they played with so much energy and they were having fun so I, I was like, yeah, I, w- I want to do this sport. Like, there's a lot of fun here. They were having fun, just now. They were talking, just it's a lot of fun, so I just wanted to play for fun. What does your family think of you coming out here to El Paso now? No, they 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 happy, they like it, they think it's a great opportunity too, so we all all happy. That's awesome. Well, that's great. Again, we got Carlos Lemos joining us here on our show, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. If you have any questions or give us a call at 505-6009. Jason, I'll throw it to you for uh, for Carlos as far as any questions that you might have. I don't have many questions, but, you know, coming from Venezuela and then, you know, playing basketball out there, you played and then you went to New York, you said, right? Yep. And where'd you play when you were in New York? I played in this school uh, called Open Room Christian School, uh-huh. located in Long Island. Okay. What was that transition like, first leaving the country of Venezuela and then and joining a, a school out in New York? I mean, gosh, that's a... It's New York about- City. That's, it's, that's huge. Now, yeah, it was tough, you know, because um, me coming to this country, I didn't know no English, so... I have to start learning from the bottom, man. I just didn't know anything, like anything wow. whatsoever. Yeah. So I have this friend, uh, Lester Quiones. He played for Memphis. So he was kind of helping me. He was teaching me uh, English. We used to go to class, practice. We used to stay, work out, shoot around. He used to always, like, trying to teach me. So I kind of was, like, practicing all the time. So over time, I just kind of been getting better how how uh, long did it first take you to kind of fully grasp and, and understand because learning a language at what 17 18 like that's tough uh, 16 17 18 that's tough no yeah it took me some time it took me around like three years yeah three years to like kind of start understanding and having like normal conversation with people uh, understanding fully what people were talking uh, stuff like that, yeah. So how did you first get uh, picked out of uh, Venezuela to come to the U.S. and play basketball? What was that like? It was nice, man. So I was, um, I used to play for the, I played for the national team, U15, U16. I remember we had this tournament in Argentina in the city of Bahia Blanca. So we play, I kind of have like a nice, I had a couple nice games, so 
after the tournament, coaches reached out to me and they offered me a scholarship to come uh, play in the United States. So that's kind of how it happened. And now, uh, then you, after your stint in uh, at high school in New York, after that time, you end up going to Chipola College. Uh, was that where you went right out of the gate, or did you go anywhere? Oh, actually, you went to Southeastern Iowa Community College first. Yeah, what was right. that like? It was cool. I got to play. Uh, I got to play for great coaches. Coach Lorenzo Walking is a great coach, unbelievable coach. He taught me a lot how to play different. I felt like that's when I got better uh, as a defensive player. Uh, you just learn a lot from here. It was cool. What was switching out from uh, high school now to the junior college level like? That junior college is tough for people who don't know, uh, and especially on the athletes who have to endure everything at the junior college level. What was that like? Man, it's tough. It's a whole different story. You got to go. You just got to make it happen for yourself. You got to survive, basically. You got to go do all the right things, stay on top of your schoolwork. It's no easy, man. It's hard. Well, what people also don't know about junior college is it's not just on the court. Like, if, if you had to only worry about basketball, that'd be fine. But you have to also worry about what's going on back at home, like, you know, taking care of yourself, making sure you're eating and, and things like that. That's the, Those are the things you hear out of the junior college ranks uh, for some kids. Did you ever have to deal with things like that? No, yeah, for sure, for sure, you know. So, for me, it's been tough. I have a uh, four-year-old years, four years old daughter. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Back, at, back in Venezuela or here in no, the States? she's in uh, South Korea. Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of been tough, you know, being away from there. So, yeah, it's a tough thing. You stay away from your family. For you and your international kid, you got to stay away from your family, make all this stuff happen, you know. you a lot of uh, stress on you. You know, you don't get to see your people. You got to stay away from long times. I haven't been home in like four years. Wow. Mo- mostly because of the pandemic, or is it just because you're here doing your own thing? No, yeah, most of it basketball, but yeah. Uh, COVID, COVID play a big part on it. What's so. what's the country like right now? It's tough right now. It's tough. It's a tough situation. The economic is really bad right now. It's a lot of people uh, struggling. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully get better soon. And your and your daughter, do you get a chance to FaceTime her and and do things like that just to kind of connect? No, yeah, I call her every day. Every time I can, I just FaceTime her. What's the time difference? Yeah, right now over there is like probably. 9 p.m. Oh, wow. Okay. So what time are you usually calling? In the morning, huh? Yeah, in the morning, early in the morning, 7 in the morning, just or after workouts. I just, whenever she up or whenever I have time, I just make sure I call. Wow, wow, you're you're doing a lot, Carlos. I'm I'm yeah. really I'm really amazed right now. Again, we got Carlos Lemos joining us here in our Lubingo studios from the UTEP men's basketball team. He is their newest commitment and their newest acquisition. Uh, we already have somebody chiming in on Twitter right now. This is coming from Rod. He says, "Get your basketball tickets now, sell out for sure." Uh, so he's fired up about this conversation, talking about you and, and your career. Let's talk a little bit about what you did at Chipola College. You had 52 games over there uh, in between three. Three seasons, uh, and now, or excuse me, two seasons. And at the junior college level, you averaged eleven and a half points, five rebounds, three assists a game. You're you're an all around player. I mean, you could kind of you could score, you could facilitate, and you'll grab the rebound. Uh, it seems like you're very versatile in that regard. No, yeah, I gotta just think. Uh, uh, one of the assistant coach over there, uh, Coach Jens Dimopoulos, he has spent a lot of time with me. You know, after games, watching film, after practice, just watching a lot of film, was teaching me a lot of all these details of basketball you know just 
small details, helping me a lot, helping me to understand what I need to do to get to the next level. It's just no score. You got to do, you know, get get your teammates involved, get them open, you know, all these little things. Just make the simple passes, simple plays, the ABC. So it was really cool. I feel like he played a big role in me getting better as a player. What was uh, Chipola College like? I mean, you're out in Florida. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, like you were kind of telling us over the break. What was doing? What was playing there like for the first time? It was cool just because we get the chance just to uh, look in and just focus on basketball. So that was the main reason to go there, you know. You just can just go there and handle your business, just get the, the school work done. But over everything, just make sure you get get it done on the court, like focus on basketball, get the extra shots, all that. And the gym was really close by the dorms too. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, we talked about your journey from uh, from New York. You go out and play a one season at Southwest uh, Southeastern Iowa Community College. Then you play two seasons at Chipola at the junior college level. And then uh, Joe Golding c- walks into a to a workout, and uh, he ca- you catch his attention. Tell me about meeting Joe Golding for the first time and, and your uh, your commitment to UTEP. Man, it was really nice. I was amazed with Coach. I felt like co- he was for. Uh, the first time I met him, I just knew he was a uh, unbelievable person. I can I can tell he was a great human being. He the way he was talking to me and communicated. He seems like a. How do you he get is a that great from, coach. I'm sorry to, to to cut you off, but how do you get that from somebody right away? Like how wh- Man, where do you get that? It was just the energy he brought to to the environment. The energy that most that most for just changed. He was you know he's he was happy. Just the way he was talking to me, it was unbelievable. Your uh, your hand gestures tell me everything because right. he uh, when you talk to Joe Golding in a room he'll tell you uh, four hundred words in two minutes because uh, that's just the way he is he brings a lot of energy to everything yeah. but he's like that with you he's like that with me he's like that with Jason he's like that with everybody he he it it could be a person he met for the first time or he could be a person that he knows real well it's just kind of who he is which is really cool to see right yeah that's what makes him great man that's what makes him that's why people like him because he's just a great person. You look at this UTEP basketball program. Last year they won 20 games, and there was a lot of uh, excitement around this basketball team. This year, a lot of anticipation as well. I mean, a, a whole new team coming into the mix. What What's the environment like? I, I'm so curious to know because th- this these first couple weeks were the first time that most of these guys got a chance to come to El Paso and check things out for the first time. No, yeah, I feel I feel it's great. My teammates, we've been working hard, man. We just, you know, we have a goal. We all have the same goal. We're going to... We, we're going to make sure we win a lot of games. That's the goal. Wow. Uh, make sure we win a lot of games, do the right things. And we got the same. We get better every day. We go win every every day. We got to win it. So, but we just focus on winning. We're just doing the right thing. We're working hard right, right now. Man, I'm happy with my teammates. I feel like great teammates, great players. They're working hard. So, I'm looking forward to this season. Do you uh when, when we're talking about this basketball team and and everybody who's been involved so far as far as the the new players and everything like that uh let let's uh let's talk a little bit more about you know people who may have recruited you uh, were other teams after you uh you know prior to UTEP coming out and and recruiting you or did you kind of think well I got to find that landing spot for me the right one and uh ended up being UTEP what was the recruiting process like for you No yeah it was it was uh, it was good. I had I had a lot of coaches hitting me. I had coaches high level basketball, me major. But just one thing about Coach Golden that was telling me that was the right spot for me. He just the way he coached, 
the way he you know he communicated with his player, I felt that was just the right right spot for me to to handle my business. Carlos Lemos joining us here on uh, Sports Talk as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter or you can give us a call at 505-6009 if you'd like to weigh in with the newest UTEP basketball commit. Uh, so you end up joining the Miners, you come to El Paso now. How long have you been here uh, here in this city so far? Man, I've been about a week. Wow, yeah, so like you're fresh days. here. Yeah. You're, you're fresh here in El Paso. What, tell me about this city. What do you like about it? No, I like the city. I like the people, you know. Like I said before, it's just like it's a lot of uh, Spanish people, so it's just I feel at home and I feel welcoming. I feel like these people, uh, I can um, connect with the people out here. Yeah. What's what's your favorite food? Uh, from here? Or or from any, anywhere? Uh, no, my favorite food is Venezuelan, obviously. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, Pabellón. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we got to find some Venezuela spots here in El Paso. There's Maybe got, there's got to be some. There's got to be some. Uh, yeah, but I also, I, also, I also love Mexican food. Mexican okay. food is pretty good, yeah. We got a couple spots. No, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Hey, uh, we can maybe we can uh, find a, a Venezuela restaurant here in El Paso, and then we could talk about an NIL deal with you or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Ma- name, image, likeness. Then you could be, uh, you know, you could do some commercials for them or something. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the NBA Finals. You following that so far with the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. What do you think about the series so far? Warriors take a three games to two lead uh, and, and one more win. They're NBA champions. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green trying to do it again and, and win another title. Steph's could win his fourth ring if they end up winning. This. No, yeah, I feel it's been a great, uh, great series, great basketball. You know, they playing hard, they playing really hard. But man, unbelievable. Stephen Curry been playing unbelievable, man. His shot making is so amazing. Like his four game four uh, shots were just out of this world because he was doing it against defenders with with everybody ca- kind of clogging him. Yesterday he didn't have the greatest game, but still he's you still have to game plan for him, so he's still helping you out in some degree. Uh, who do you kind of emulate your game after? Is there a player in the NBA who you look at his his play and you're just like, man, I really want to be like that, or I'm I'm really trying to add that to my game, or or guys that should just inspire you at that next level? Well, I haven't looked at a player like that, but I just kind of look at players and uh, kind of see little things they do. I kind of kind of try to steal it and try to, Ooh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. just a little bit trying to, I'm looking for stuff that I feel it can make me better or so you, I can be able to do it. So you watch a little Kyrie Irving and then you'll, you'll get a little something from there or you watch a little Kobe <laughs> Bryant and you'll get something there? I mean, I feel like every basketball player watches those guys and, you know, you just unbelievable players. But, now nah, I watch... Damian Lillard, just different type of players. Just, but it's not just what they do. It's just little stuff off the ball too. Like it's just it's great players in the league. Just you know. Yeah, no, I understand because if you're adding a little jab step to your game or or doing something off the dribble, that just just something small, but that could add something down the line. I, that can make you a, a complete player and, and just add more things to your uh, bag of uh, of versatility and what you could bring to the table. No, yeah, that's for sure, man. That's well, for sure. Well, Carlos, uh, I can't thank you enough for stopping by today. You were you're great to talk to. I can't wait for your whole journey here at UTEP. What should UTEP fans know about you before we let you go and before uh, we wrap up our segment with you here today? Well, they got to know I speak Spanish, so every time they see me, they can talk to me in Spanish, man. That's going to be easy. Yeah. You're going to have so many fans coming up to you talking, uh, yeah. speaking Spanish to you. I'm a kind person. They can talk to me, have a conversation with me. I, just, I talk to anybody. I talk to everybody. I treat everybody the same. So, yeah, just if you see me around, just say hi. 
So you're a friendly guy on and off the court, and then uh, when you're when you're playing hoops, you're definitely going to let people know uh, what you what you could do on the court. As far as that, what what, what should you leave fans know uh, knowing as far as your game and what you're going to be bringing to this UTEP basketball team? Man, we're just going to be bringing energy. Energy. We're going to play hard. That's all I'm going to guarantee you, uh, UTEP fans. We're just going to go out there, try play hard, and try and win games. Carlos, thank you so much for stopping by today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. That's Carlos Lemos joining us here on Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, more phone calls, more tweets. Stay with us as Sports Talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Angel Munoz playing the beats back there. Let's go. Sal Montes here in our Lubin Go studios as well. What's up, Sal? How's what? it going? Oh, man, everything is good, A.B. What's up, Jason? We got Angel in the back. Uh, no, everything's good. Full uh, crew today. Yeah, yeah, and shout out to uh, to Carlos. He was just here as well. Amazing, amazing interview. I'm excited to see what he's going to do on the court. Sal, I, I apologize. I didn't even look at my phone while you asked that question. Uh, why don't you ask that question? I'll answer it with what yeah. he said, with what Carlos said. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if it was answered or not. I got here a little bit later, but basically I was looking up uh, great Venezuelan players who've gone on to go to the NBA, and the first one that popped in my mind immediately was a uh, Gravis Vasquez so just kind of wanted to see where Gravis ranks on a, on his list of favorite players it was on his his uh, all-time list for sure I mean that's somebody who's in his backyard so we yeah. asked him that as, as Carlos left today great question and uh, yeah I mean gosh what an unbelievable story right Jason I mean you, you hear somebody who uh, first picked up a basketball at the age of 10 now fast forward he's here at UTEP he's got a daughter who lives in South Korea at the age of four years old and he still calls her every day hasn't been back home to Venezuela in four years years what a story right there he's committed to the game that that is uh if you're gonna go into the game with a focus I think that's like the best story that I've ever heard in my entire life Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an unbelievable story right there uh, from Carlos Lemos. Uh, a big, big shout-out for him uh, just coming by our Lubin Go studios. Hey, Sal, well, we've been talking NBA Finals, Game 5, all this show so far. Uh, if you'd like, if anybody would like to call in and talk about it, it's our telephone number is available right now, 915-505-6009, if you'd like to talk some hoops with us. Sal, uh, Golden State Warriors, they fend off the Celtics. I thought Boston would take it since they were, uh, you know, they haven't lost lost in back-to-back games this entire postseason. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, backs against the wall, they, they'd come out and actually win this game. No, it wasn't the case. Uh, they held strong. I'm talking about Golden State, and they ended up winning that game at home, 104-94. What would you think of this one? You know what? It, it was finally a, a, a different approach, and the reason why I'm saying this is we've seen the fourth-quarter Celtics all series, and we've seen the third-quarter Warriors, but it, they switched it up this time. You know, for the first time, I think all series, um, uh, Golden State finally got out scored in the third quarter if I'm not mistaken let's see here yeah by double digits by 11 points something unheard of that's something that the Celtics could you know definitely use to their advantage and close it out but it doesn't matter man when you have a guy named Stephen Curry and you're throwing 25 guys out there and the and you know the team staff the training staff out there and he's still hitting them (laughs) what what can you do really I know and and the crazy thing to me Sal is he did it while they he, they didn't even have that great of a game. Like mm-hmm. uh, he he didn't have that Steph Curry type of performance where he scores yeah. forty plus or hits uh, hits a bunch of threes. He didn't even have a three. Didn't even yeah. have a three in this game, which is just so mind blowing. But what do you guys think? Is it over in six? Are they going to TD Garden and it's done? Um, do you think the Golden State Warriors hang a banner on uh, on third uh, on Wednesday when they end up playing? The Bay in six. Wow. 
So you say it's done. What about you, Sal? Yeah, you know what? I think so, too. Um, Boston definitely presents the best matchup for Golden State. But even then, I always think of if each team is playing at their best, who's going to win? And by all means, I still pick Golden State. I mean, this is a series where Draymond has been atrocious as well. He was better (laughs) yesterday at three for six. But, I mean, he's doing things that uh, are getting underneath um, Boston's skin. Uh, No pun intended because his last name's Green. But, I mean, this whole team is – they're a bit more physical and they're more finesse at the same time. And also, too, you look at Andrew Wiggins, who's placed in a perfect situation because defensive uh, defense is now our tentative. Like, are we going to play up and worry about Steph blowing by you or Clay? You know, maybe one dribble and he, he shoots it or even uh, the pull party he could get going. But then you also got to worry about Andrew Wiggins beating you with that quick one step. And his, his mid-range has been respectable as well. But I think in game number four, he had like 16 or 17 rebounds, another double digit rebound game. And he actually led them in scoring as well. With 26, that's that's a big, big X factor right there. So they can attack on all levels. And it's uh, uh, as good of a defense as Boston is. They do have the defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. Sure. It's, it's still not enough. They're just too, too uh, high-powered. Yeah, and, and it's been you know guys like Wiggins stepping up, guys like uh, Looney stepping up in late-game situations. And, and that's what's really helped uh, the Warriors. I, I still think the Celtics could bounce back. I mean, I'm holding on to hope for this Boston mm-hmm. team uh, myself, not, not really being partial to either squad but I guess you know I look at this Boston team and I think that maybe they can adjust defensively enough to win that one but then what you, you put all the pressure on Golden State to close it out at home and hang a banner at, in uh, in chase at the Chase Center oh and by the way my mistake it was uh, Thursday which uh, this game tips off Wednesday is actually the first game for the Stanley Cup finals which we can get into a little in a little bit uh, but going back to this one can you know do they want to close it out father's day sunday and and win it at home is that the idea for golden state maybe take uh you know that that wednesday or thursday game try to steal it at td garden or do you guys just think it's it's done this is over steal it at td i think it's a personal thing wow. i think they they you know they complained those first two games or you know when they were in boston they were complaining like the fans and all that. they want to stick it to them yeah. They want to stick it to them bad. So I think the only way you could do it, you have to beat them in their house. Yeah, I don't think you wait around either. you got to strike while it's hot. They definitely have a great chance, too. they got all the momentum. It is interesting to want to close it out on Father's Day, but why not celebrate Father's Day with the ring that you already have and you could be at home with your family. So yeah. I think they want to wrap it up. No, I totally agree with you guys. Well, I totally see where you guys are coming with this one, but it's going to be interesting but, either But way. then again – I mean, if you win on Father's Day and you're in the Bay, oh. it, it's two things. It's two things right there, it's, but yeah. it has to happen in Boston it, it to is, me. It would be special for sure, but also at that point it's 50-50. Like you could also lose that game too uh. if one or, one or two things goes wrong. I, I, I do think this is the best matchup. It's just uh, Golden State is, is better even if Boston's at their best. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand, guys. I We'll see. It's going to be interesting. NBA Finals coming up. It's uh, tipping off Thursday evening, uh, and it, it will be televised again on ABC. Uh, and, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Game 6, Golden State has a chance to close things out on Thursday night with a 7 o'clock tip-off here at local time. Hey, speaking of NBA, we're only nine days away from the NBA draft. Uh, there is It's kind of a consensus number three. Not sure if you guys even care about the draft this time <laughs> around. It's It's been kind of a weird year to even talk about the prospects. 
prospects. But you look at the top three, Chet Holmgren is in the mix, Jabari Smith. So Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Jabari Smith from Auburn, and you also have Paulo Bancaro uh, from uh, Duke, of course. And uh, you look at those three guys right there. I, I don't know if I'm in love with you know any of those three. I think all three are the consensus top three picks. I look at Chet Holmgren, and I think that's the upside pick right there. If you get a lanky guy from Gonzaga who can maybe space the floor for you and play that four position for you, uh, Jabari Smith can shoot from outside, and uh, he might be that uh, pr- that that guy that you might morph into maybe like a Paul George type of player. That's the the comp that we're hearing a lot from uh, Jabari Smith out of Auburn. Although he was he's that kind of three and D guy type of player as well, so you're not too sure. Paulo Bancaro, that's the guy I always lie on. And, and I, I look at it, what he did at Duke. He just he can shot make, he, he can create his own shot. He's kind of that small forward, not kind of like in between a guard and a forward. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brown, so he can kind of play that role if he ends up uh, going into the NBA and uh, producing at a high level. I just look at his shot making. If I'm getting the guy in the top three, I want somebody who I know who could hit the three-point shot uh, reliably, and I think Bancaro could be that guy. I don't know if you guys have any draft thoughts early on uh, so far, either both you you or, or Sal. What, what do you think about the draft so far, Sal? You know what? I, I really like Chet Holmgren. Uh, oh, you're a Chet guy. Yeah, aside from his uh, the upside, of course, a, a four and a five uh, mixed in one, really, because you can't really be a five in a league without being a three because you got to have that skill set, but uh, with Chet, though, I just think the the attitude that he has uh, trying to place himself above the top, and he deserves to be there, but he knows that he deserves to be there, and he's played like it. I think he has great upside, but if I had to pick kind of like a dark horse, uh, I want to go with uh, with Jaden Ivey. I, I think the guy out of Purdue has a really, really good chance at being um, a force in the league, especially when it's so guard-driven. He has the athleticism. He could score. Just has to improve defensively, but of course, I mean, you, you get the right staff around you, and you know, the right teammates and it's the right system you could definitely do some special things I just don't like that he's projected to go forth to the Kings that could completely derail everything I just said well so that so I'm so happy well I'm happy you brought him up Sal that's probably one of the guys that you actually want to hyper focus on because Mm -hmm. we talked about the consensus top three it's one two or three in that order of Jabari Smith Chet Holmgren Mm -hmm. and Paulo Bancaro but four is really where the draft starts and the Sacramento Kings at number four they have De'Aaron Fox they have Davion Mitchell. They've got a backcourt that's already filled with players that they even recently drafted. Yeah. Can they go another year drafting another guard in, in a guy like Ivy? And I don't know if that's the case. Maybe they look at Keegan Murray instead and get kind of that uh, that number three spot yeah. position. Who knows? And you know what? Maybe they trade with uh, with Detroit or maybe they trade with the Pacers and say, you know what? We'll give you our pick. Give us a second or maybe next year's second. Something like that. Because we've seen second round picks become uh, assets on teams. And not, not just teams, but championship teams as well so it'd be interesting to see what Sacramento does but if, if they draft a Jaden Ivey and they don't trade one of their guards I, I think we know what's going to happen it's going to be stash yeah, yeah. no I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from on this 915-505-6009 is our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk also want to get into this a little bit Stanley Cup Final Game 1 series starts tomorrow between the Lightning and the Avalanche now we remember now remember Colorado uh, stormed through in their recent series I mean they had no problem with the Oilers sweeping them four games to nothing uh, in that previous uh, Western Conference Finals now you look over 
over to this series with the Lightning. Yeah, man, Tampa Bay. Can they do it again? And can they win another ring? Uh, excuse me, and, and hoist another Stanley Cup trophy? Is that the case with this team? I don't know, but that it's going to be interesting to kind of follow. Uh, Rangers were a problem for the Lightning, and then uh, the Lightning completely flipped things over and took control in that series. This is going to be fun. Anybody got thoughts here on on uh, some hockey playoff action? I think I might go to this uh, this this game Stop on this. Saturday. I think I might go. Who are you? <laughs> They're going to be. Look, I'm going to be in Denver, so I might as well might go. As well. I yeah. might as well go, right? Give you some play-by-play action? What was it like actually being there? Come back on Monday, give you some stories? Okay, yes. Uh, 100% yes. If you go to a Stanley Cup Finals game, that'd be amazing. Number one, I would never go to a pro hockey game. I, I, I go to the Rhinos, right? right? I love going to the Rhinos. The, the, the game atmosphere is so much fun, and it's just it's something it's Packed unexpected. House. Yeah, and it's unexpected to be d- doing that in El Paso, right, to me. And... um I'm going to be in Denver and, you know, I got nothing to do before I got to go do my thing. So, when in Rome. When in Rome. <laughs> uh, let me know how much. Because, those no, because are. I was looking, I was trying to go to a Rockies game. I was like, yo, I'll go to a Rockies yeah. game before, you know, I go DJ. But I wasn't looking at this. And since they're now in this, I'm like, come on. Let me know how much the tickets are. I'm <laughs> I'll curious look it up to know. Right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the phones right now. 915-505-6009. One of our favorites, YYS, is on the phone lines. He wants to talk some hoops. YYS, what's up, man? Did you hear our tribute to you and Freddie Gibbs? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, Good. To, uh, Good. Calling in and see how you guys are doing. Uh, I did want to go ahead and welcome uh, Jason uh, to the most dysfunctional group on sports radio uh they're very perverted jason just uh just try to keep it real that's all we ask i'll just try to keep it clean as best as i can try to keep he's keeping us in check don't worry why i rated pg pretty gross hey uh hey i was hearing you guys talk about the draft but you guys have it all wrong man the the first pick in the in the draft is going to be bo cruz and if you guys don't know who (laughs) bo cruz is go watch go watch the movie I need to watch it, man. I need to watch Hustle. It's I know. So I've seen clips left and right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the movie Hustle. Uh, executive producer LeBron James, my guy. And uh, Anthony Edwards, I hear, is like the best actor. Sal, what, what do you think about this movie? Uh, it's pretty cool, man. I'll be honest. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I heard I was, it's great. I was watching it on my break uh, with my other job and stuff. So I'm like... 50 to 60 percent of the way through it but it's definitely intriguing especially if you're an NBA fan and you, you see some of these faces matter of fact I want to say this Alex Sabrina's uh you know I'm wow. a big Thunder fan uh he used to be with OKC from Spain and then he um, he went back to Spain to play professionally over there after facing some uh, some personal issues uh, but it was good to see him on the screen again because he was fighting through a lot of uh you know mental uh, mental health uh, issues that he was facing at that time but to see him like on the screen again and, and having fun and he's in his hometown at, at that point in the scene it was really cool so you'll see a lot of uh, familiar NBA faces uh, when you watch that movie hey, wow that, that's really cool stuff YYS back to you my bad no 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 it's uh it's cool Adrian I mean um what can I say about the movie other than it's got a good NBA flavor um I don't care how much Adam Sandler gets dogged that he's not funny anymore at least uh, he was able to pivot, and now he he's doing serious roles with a little bit of comedy. So it was entertaining. I I mean I I can't complain, but I did want to talk to you about the NBA Finals, Adrian, because um I'm just gonna tell you, Adrian, your team is the better team on paper, but unfortunately the Warriors just have that cerebral. 
thing down to a team, man. That's what it is. That's it's all at this point execution. Uh, the experience is there for Golden State, but I I have no doubt that if Boston continues doing what they're doing, they'll gain that experience, and then eventually, hey, before you know it, maybe we're talking about Boston being there three, four, five straight times in the finals, like like uh, when LeBron had a choco on the East. But um, hopefully. Boston picks up their pace the next game, but I, I think I've even said it on Twitter, Adrian, where one team, they know they have a closer. The other team, they're still trying to decide, is it Tatum or who is it? But I think once they figure that out, they should be okay. But uh, and, and like I was telling you, and I'll tell you here on, on, the, on the air, Adrian, I am pulling for your team, even though most Laker fans would tell me what the wait, hell. Wait, 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 wait. YYS, thinking. YYS. I, I haven't What's been. Up, a, I have not been a Celtics fan. I don't know where you're getting this. I'm not a Celtics fan. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a LeBron fan. I'm not a Laker. F- well, I guess I have to be on the bandwagon. That's what I tell Jason all the time. Uh, you can accept me or you can you can decline me, but I I am not a uh, Celtics fan. Well, at least you're honest. Just like I'm, I'm honest <laughs> enough to tell you that, that I that I haven't that I haven't touched my Twitter since April April fifth. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. But don't, but don't worry, Adrian. Just hang in there. Unless Larry Bird comes in through the door, maybe that, that maybe that'll be the way the way to go for you guys to win. But it's been a good series. It's just at this point we're just seeing the experience of Golden State. It's not because your team sucks because they don't. They're better than my team, and and Our team. Uh, Golden State <laughs> is better than my team as well. So what can I say, right? Uh, on to the off season. Yys, on to the off season. Yes, sir. All right, man. Hey, appreciate the phone call, YYS. Thanks so much. Uh, hey, uh, hey, guys, real quick, any off-season storylines that are kind of intriguing you right now to the NBA? I mean, number one, you've got Russ, uh, whether or not he's going to stick around with the Lakers. Uh, number two, you've got the LeBron fiasco that's going on right now as well with him talking about the Las Vegas LeBron team that he wants to own. Uh, you've got the impeding free agency that's coming over uh, DeAndre Ayton, and he might have a chance to be dealt away from Phoenix, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Durant. Will they both be in Brooklyn? Will it just be Kevin Durant? Will Kyrie Irving move over to another team since he's a free agent? And then is James Harden getting the max contract? There's a lot of, uh, you know, as soon as this uh, game six is over, game seven is over, we have an NBA f- champion. It's on to the offseason, and this offseason is going to get messy with some storylines that are coming out of the NBA. I'm not worried about LeBron going to Vegas. Like, what? You're not going to play basketball no more? You're going to own a team? You can't own a team and play the game. Who says Who says that? Uh, that doesn't. Why no. not? No. Why can't you do that? But what team would he play for, and what team would he be owning? The Las Vegas LeBrons. <laughs> Las Vegas is looking for Vegas. I, I know I know Vegas is looking for a team. They got a lot of things going on in that city right now that's making it look like, you know, they're they're ready for more professional sports. You know, I felt like the Knights were a um like a test situation. Um and then, you know, they got their their minor leagues that's that's doing pretty good. Um they got the Aces. The Aces are doing phenomenal. So why not bring? Uh, I think I think the next. Oh, the Raiders. Duh, the Raiders. Um, Don't be. I'm just saying this. Don't be surprised if LeBron James. I think ends baseball up will be first. The first player owner. 
I think baseball will be first. Where there'll be a player owner? Like no, a, like a uh, oh, base, like a baseball's uh, going MLB to Vegas. Vegas. Vegas yeah. Okay, baseball's okay. going to Vegas first. Okay. What about you, Sal? What storylines intrigue you out of out of this uh, NBA stretch? I, I really want to see what's going to happen with James Harden. Uh, we know about Maury and, and Harden's relationship, how they're they're neck and neck. They're they're right by each other. That's so a big one, it, Sal. It, and I mean, ultimately, Maury's gonna. Is it wrong to say this? I mean, they've been trying to trust the process for a while. Is it really wrong if you try to switch up that process and have the owner with his favorite player move in the direction of that guy? I mean, he went through mountains just to get him there. Ultimately, we saw how it worked out. But even then, my theory, if both teams are at their best, I still think Boston defeats Philadelphia, uh, hands down. So what's going to happen with Philadelphia? Because the whole, the whole team could shake up, and it could really just be Embiid and Harden. And they could just obliterate everybody else and try to bring in other guys. Will it be the Philadelphia Lakers or the LA be. Sixers, right? Yeah. Um, uh, what else? I want to see what's going to happen with uh, Charlotte. Oh, good point. That, that'll be interesting. And also Zach Levine. Where's Zach Levine going to go? Because we saw how good the Bulls were at a certain point in time. But, uh, you know, come playoff time, where were they? Yeah, it you seems know? like he's also available now. Yeah. Like for a sign-in trade on a max deal. Un- so. Unrestricted, yeah. Unrestricted free agent. Let's see. You mentioned eight in uh, Miles Bridges with the Hornets, too. Want to see That's what's another big one. There. Uh, Jalen Brunson with the Mavericks. We saw what the Mavericks did in the playoffs. Ultimately, they ran into the Warriors. But Quick, uh, si- quick uh, trade possibility. Tell me if you guys like it or not Jalen Brunson plus whatever and a, and draft picks for Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn yeah like switching you know Kyrie Irving with Luka Dantich Jalen Brunson over there with uh Kevin Durant you guys like it or no I think Kyrie's I'm not I'm not a, I'm not in I'm not sold on Kyrie he's great but just his I think his his mind is not 100% on basketball, and that's what a lot of teams need for him, you know? Like, for him to be who he is and as, as good as he is as a basketball player, if his mind's not fully there. So you don't like it? No. Okay, what about yourself? Even aside from the mind not being there, is Kyrie going to be there? Yeah, I'm with you too? on that. Like, um, is he going to play? Is he going to want to be there? And ultimately, let me ask you this. How far is Brooklyn going to go? Are they going to go as far as Kyrie takes them or as far as KD takes them? The latter. Of yeah, course, it, the latter. So I, I think they'll they'll do that deal, of course. But ultimately, I know KD and Kyrie are are pretty tight, so they'll they'll work it out. They'll work it out amongst each other, and then let the front office know, hey, we want to stick together. Front office will run with that. Oh, yeah. most definitely. No, I, I get you guys. Hey, coming up at our t- at the top of our six o'clock hour, Chris Sneed from the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. He'll join us. The newest, one of the newest inductees for this year's 2022 class. Uh, that conversation is coming up at six. But right now, let's take a timeout. When we come back, more phone calls. More more tweets. Sports talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Final segment here on hour number one of Sports Talk. Adrian brought us along with Jason Craig, Sal Montes, Angel Munoz. Full house today in our Lumen Go studios. Our telephone number 915-505-6009 if you'd like to weigh in. Chihuahuas baseball coming up. 6.30 is the first pitch. Tim Haggerty will join us. Uh, voice of the Chihuahuas at 6.15 to break this one down and preview the game with us. A couple uh, interesting news, uh, you know, interesting uh, bits of news came in today from the El Paso Chihuahuas in relation to the San Diego Padres, their parent club, as Ryan Weathers has been called up. He'll be the starting pitcher uh, in their game out at Wrigley tomorrow, uh, which is real interesting to note. Uh, and then, yeah, Las Vegas Aviators come to town for a six-game series. A lot of uh, a lot of 
things happening at the ballpark, and uh, Tim Haggerty will break those things down with us as well here on Sports Talk. Also, sandwiched in between uh, our number two's finish and the start of Chihuahuas baseball, we'll bring on Chris Sneed. He is uh, one of the newest inductees for the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. He's coming in the officials category. He uh, referees and and college football, college baseball in both the SEC and Conference USA. So can't wait to have this conversation Conversation coming up next here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, Want to also get to this story today. How about, uh, we talked about this in hour number one, Troy Aikman coming to El Paso, Sal Montes. He's coming this Monday to promote his new Beer 8. Um, we talked about this earlier. Jason and I just kind of had an agreement. We were in an agreement that uh, – when any cowboy player comes to the 915, usually the city will uh, come in bunches to go try to see uh, one of their one of their favorites. Yeah, and even aside from that, I mean, we know he's a, a legend in Cowboys history, but um, this is a guy that people see every Sunday. No calling, calling some action. So there's some familiarity there. Uh, it'll be really cool, man. It's always, I mean, I'm not a Cowboys fan, of course, but it's it's always awesome when one of them comes to the city because it's for something um, that gets a lot of people together. Whether they're a Cowboys fan or not, they're going to know about it, but uh, they'll probably be there too. Yeah, and he's promoting his new low-calorie beer, which is called 8. Uh, is it 8 calories? I, you know what? It might be. It might be eight calories. That's a, it's, it's it's eight because he's Nine, number eight. ninety calories. He's number Aww. eight. He's number eight. That's why it's eight. Do you think it tastes like success? Probably. Probably tastes like uh, what did he get from ESPN? Tastes Three, like a Super Bowl ring. X yeah. point what million? You know, he oh, got that's a, what it tastes like. Yeah, that's probably what it it's tastes like. If right you leave there. a one of his cold beers on the uh, on the table, it could leave a ring. Ooh, okay, Ooh, I like that. See? I like what you're saying there, Sal. <laughs> hey, that that does it for us in hour number two. Coming up, hour number one is next with Chris Snead here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back to the final 30 minutes here on Sports Talk today. Adrian brought us along with Jason Craig, Sal Montes, Angel Munoz as we take you through a busy, busy Tuesday edition of Sports Talk. Next week, we will have the banquet for the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame induction class of 2022. It's where they honor every single year uh, coaches, athletes, and also officials who ensure that the rules of the games are followed. And that's right, we're bringing on one of the newest El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame inductees. His name is Chris Sneed, being inducted as part of the officials category, and he joins us here. Here on Sports Talk as we continue. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on the show today. Uh, really a pleasure to have you join us ahead of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Chris, uh, your your career is so interesting to me because you let you graduated from Hanks High School back in 1987. Just out of curiosity, before we we jump into what you do as far as uh, an official goes, what was it like being back at, at Hanks High School in 1987? Oh, Hanks was a great school to go to. I I enjoyed uh, growing up in El Paso and uh, attending Hanks. Uh, my my older sister was in the first graduating class, and and uh, of course I graduated in '87. Great friends, great memories. Uh, you know, wasn't a great, terribly great athlete there, but uh, uh, you know it set me up for life. And 
uh, if I could do it again, I'd, I'd do it again. Uh, Hanks was a great place to go to school. Well, even despite not being necessarily that athlete, like you just said, uh, you ended up leaving to Texas Tech. You graduate in 95 uh, with a degree in English. You are currently the Associate Vice President of Texas Tech's Alumni Association, but that's your full-time job. Now, your part-time job is officiating college baseball and football games. Uh, you know, viewers may have even, uh, listeners and viewers may have even watched you on the screen, not even realizing you're from El Paso and, and you know, from Hanks High school how was uh, you know how'd you first get started uh officiating college football and uh college baseball games well i actually started uh, uh officiating in college just doing intramurals i when i started uh when i got to texas tech my parents told me how to get a job so i i got a job in the dining hall and i worked there for about a week and a half two weeks and i realized you know this is for the birds you know i was flinging uh Slinging t- chicken tetrazzini around, and, and I said, "You know, there's got to be a better way." And uh, uh, I, I left the dorm uh, dining hall one night and then saw uh, an ad on the bulletin board for looking for intramural officials, and they made the same amount of money we did in the uh, in the uh, dining hall. So I said, "You know what? I'm going to go try that." And, uh, and it turned out to be pretty fun, and I enjoyed doing that. And I I did that, and then uh, one. Uh, one summer, I came home uh, to El Paso, and I was working uh, uh, for my dad and his story at a frame store in East El Paso, and um, saw an ad looking for um, umpires for for baseball, and uh, that's how I got into uh, baseball, and that led into high school baseball, and and then I came back to Texas Tech and uh, did the same thing, and then it blossomed from there. But where did it really explode for you? Because I, I feel like we hear this, you know, we hear similar stories from other officials in just kind of their upbringing. They, they find their way in just uh, refereeing, officiating here left and right, and then they turn it kind of into a, a part-time career. But where did it take that next step uh, for you going off to Conference USA, officiating in the SEC? When, when did that really take place? I think the, uh, for me, really, um, I had an opportunity to get, to, uh, uh, to high school, and I still I really started working some uh, upper-level high school games in the, in the uh, early 90s, and then uh, um, it really culminated uh, in uh, around, uh, oh, I would say 2004 when I got an opportunity to, to start working some, uh, some junior college football um, and, uh, and some junior college baseball, and I progressed in, in both sports, actually. Uh, until I got an opportunity to uh, to call some uh, some upper level baseball, and eventually worked my way up to where I was working some uh, some Division One college baseball, and uh, I ended up working that for about nine years, um, and working all over the Southwest, and uh, I'd go call non conference games at uh, um, at University of New Mexico, and uh, even at Texas Tech, um, Air Force Academy, and and just all over the Southwest, and. And as I was doing that, I was progressing in, in football as well, and I uh, got an opportunity to work uh, uh, some junior college football and then some small college football and then eventually worked my way up to a point where I was recognized and uh, got an opportunity to work some arena football. And wow. uh, that was my first foray into professional, professional football. And, um, and this was not like just the indoor league. This was actually AF2, which was the, um, a national league. Um, and I worked that for um, – um, about three years, and then I was promoted into the Arena Football League, the Arena Football One, and uh, I worked that, and then got a chance in uh, oh, was that was in 2013 to work the uh, 
uh, the Arena Bowl in Orlando, Florida, between the Philadelphia Soul and the Arizona Rattlers. Um, but uh, it, it, it took some winding turns, and, you know, I didn't have a traditional path to Division One. Um, I, my stops stopped in arena football. I worked in the United Football League, which was a, a kind of a – it wasn't semi-pro. It was an, kind of like the USFL is in the XFL, but it was kind of a um, one of those leagues that was between the USFL and the, and the uh, XFL. So I worked in there, and it was, uh, it was fun. And then I got an opportunity from, from that to, to jump into Division One football. Now I have so many follow-ups on this, Chris. Because uh, first off, I'm just my—it blows my mind that you kind of find a uh, linear route into officiating college baseball, and then at the same time, you're having success officiating football as well. Like you're seeing your career on two different sports taking a a, a big lift. Is this common among officials and referees to do two sports, or are you kind of in a league of your own, uh, juggling college football and college baseball? I think there's a there's a number of football officials that do college baseball. You can do both because the seasons are, are not at the same time. Um, there's not a whole lot of guys that uh, that progress to a high level. Um, I've, I've got some friends that work Division One baseball and Division One football. Um, I know a couple of guys that uh, that work uh, um, Division One basketball that are trying to make their way into football too. Wow. Those sports don't aren't, aren't congruent with each other um, because of the schedules, but. Uh, um, it's a little unique to do to to do both uh, at a high level. Um, I was very lucky, and I and I would tell everyone right now it's it's it more than anything. I, I've been very very lucky and very very blessed because uh, you don't just roll out there and you you get uh, someone has to help you and someone has to recognize you and 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 help you get to that point where you're working upper level sports. Again, we got Chris Snead joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue one of the newest inductees of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame coming up uh, next week is the banquet, and we're previewing all the different members who will be inducted into this year's class here on Sports Talk this week and next week. Uh, you, your first two seasons at the Division One level, you were with Conference USA. What do you remember about those two seasons, uh, You know, talking about the college football landscape in this league? The first, the first year of, of my uh, seasons in Conference USA were an absolute blur. Um, when I got hired in Conference USA, I was also hired as a supplemental official in the Southeastern Conference, which means I wasn't a, an official member, but I, I was uh, on their roster to help uh, work some uh, smaller non-conference games as an alternate. And uh, my first ever Division One football game was actually at LSU before I worked a game in Conference USA on the field. And wow. So, it was really uh, an eye-opening experience because I had uh, I had gone to uh, to work this game and I was the alternate and and I'm taking it all in and and looking around and enjoying myself and then the next thing you know a player uh, uh, gets uh, blocked into the, an official on the sideline a guy named uh, um, um, Johnny Crawford and and uh, he's the head linesman and the next thing I know someone's standing in front of me and saying are you ready to go in. And I was like, heck yeah, let's go. Let's jump in here. And about halfway across the field, running onto the field, I realized I'm about to go into the game, a Division I football game, on ESPN Saturday night. And it was, I mean, the most surreal moment because I hadn't actually worked a game on field in Division I football yet. And, I mean, there's, there's pictures of me on the Internet where I've got eyes as big as silver dollars. Holly Rowe is standing next to me on the sideline, and she says, you're the alternate, you're Chris Nate. And, I, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. And then she asked me another question. I said, Holly, I've got to referee this game. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm out there working it, and the football gods were with me that night, and they kept all the bad stuff on the other side of the field, and, and it was a great experience for me to get into to Division One football. And, you know, there were 92,000 people at that game that night. And then I worked my next game on field as the referee in Conference USA at Tulsa University, Nickel State at Tulsa, and there were 19,000 people in the stadium. <laughs> and I was thinking, this is the difference between Conference USA and the SEC. Uh, let, let's stick a little bit more with the SEC because you uh, obviously as a referee you're you're totally non-partial it, you're it's your objective to uh, guide the game in the proper direction but I'm sure you know before the game halftime post game you're just basking in the environments uh, out in the SEC what is that like and, and what are some of the best uh, you know kind of environments that you've seen out there Oh, you're exactly right. You uh, you have to take a moment to take it all in. And uh, and every time I tell a friend, I had a, I had a, a good friend of mine, Grant Dickerson, who uh, just worked the state championship game in, in baseball this weekend in Texas. Wow. And uh, he said, "What's it like?" And I said, "You've got to go out there and you've got to take all take the moment in. But at some point, you have to make it a baseball game. And that's how I always approach every big game. You just have to make it a game. Um, within ten plays of that game starting, you've got to make it a game between a, a blue team and a red team." And it can't be – it's not Ole Miss and LSU. It's, it's purple team and it's red team. And, you know, you, you just go out there and you call the, call the plays that are presented before you. And um, it's, uh, it really is uh, when you can get to a point where you don't even notice the fans anymore, uh, that's when you realize that you've, uh, you've got yourself into a position where you can do well in the game. You know, I, I bet you you go back to 2015 when you get a chance to be a part of the officiating crew in the first ever college football playoff game. It's Florida State, it's Oregon. That's got to be one of those moments where you're in the Rose Bowl, just kind of sitting back, thinking, "Wow, I'm a, you know, I, I'm I'm a graduate from Hanks High School from El Paso. Who would have thought that I could be here at this level?" Uh, you're exactly right. And uh, the the more surreal moment about that was that it was my first ever college bowl game. Um, wow. I'd worked playoff games in arena football, and I'd worked uh, a, a championship game in the UFL. I'd worked two state championships in, in, in high school football in the state of Texas. But my first bowl game, I didn't get a bowl game in Conference USA because that was just the, they did it on a rotation basis, and I wasn't there long enough to get into the rotation. But, uh, you know, so my first year when I get in the SEC and I get a phone call from, from Steve Shaw, and he says, uh, I'm, I'm here to call you and tell you you've been assigned to the Rose Bowl. And I actually said, hey, say that again, Steve. He said, you're <laughs> going to be in the Rose Bowl. And, uh, and I was like, okay. And uh, he told me the teams. And I was, I mean, I, I hung up the phone. I pulled over to the side of the road. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was just kind of pinching myself that I was about to be in the Rose Bowl. That's amazing. Well, that, that's a, a an unbelievable story. On June 22nd, you'll be inducted into the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, one other accolade I, I also want to mention, you were also named Outstanding Football Official by the National Football Foundation back in 2016. Uh, Chris, when you're honored uh, next week, what are some of the things that you want El Paso to remember you, uh, remember about you and the legacy that you leave as an official being inducted into this Hall of Fame? Well, one thing I want everyone to know is that El Paso is special to me, and uh, this this is a this is an honor that uh, one I, I just uh, I couldn't fathom when I started officiating uh, back in in the eighties and in eighty eight at Texas Tech. I never uh, I never thought that I would have that kind of honor uh, bestowed upon me, and I've been blessed. I've been lucky. Um, I've had I've had uh, great officials to work with. I've had great teachers and great mentors. Uh, great support from my family and friends. 
I mean, because one thing for sure, no one gets there on their own. Um, and, you know, when I go on the football field or I go on the baseball field or I do basketball at the high school level as well, when I go on any of those fields, I take El Paso with me. And um, it's always something that it's, it's really special to me, and I'm never going to forget the city of El Paso where I got my start. Chris, can't thank you enough for the time today. Real special conversation, and uh, can't wait for you to come to El Paso next week and for us to get a chance to see you. I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome time, and I'm, I'm, I'm just humbled and, and honored to be part of this class. All right. Thanks again, Chris. Uh, again, that's Chris Sneed, the newest inductee for the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame banquet coming up next week. Uh, that will be actually next Wednesday for the El Paso Athletic uh, Hall of Fame banquet, where all the new members will be inducted. We'll continue to have more members out of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame as the week continues here on Sports Talk. But let's take a time out right now. Coming up next, we'll wrap things up here on the show as you're listening to 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, final segment here on this edition of Sports Talk. Special thanks to the full show, full gang here. Sal Montes, Angel Munoz, Jason Craig helping us out, producing the show, co-hosting, joining us here on a busy Sports Talk week. We've got the show tomorrow all the way up to first pitch at Chihuahuas Baseball, and then Steve Kaplowitz back in action on Thursday. But for now, let's head out to the ballpark and welcome back Tim Haggerty live at Southwest University Park as the El Paso Chihuahuas get ready to start up another six-game series, this time against the Las Vegas Aviators. Uh, Hags, how about this? Esturi Ruiz and Eggy Rosario were named this week's uh, MLB Pipe line prospect team of the week that's pretty cool to know right there yeah yeah both guys uh had terrific weeks and both are already on those prospect lists to begin with uh in eggy rosario's case you could see that the skills and talent were there he just wasn't totally consistent but this past week was outstanding with hitting with fielding uh Esther ruiz has been outstanding since the day he arrived a week ago running like mad with some power um you know, the way we watch this guy, it's so entertaining. He gets on first base, and it's not like if he's going to try and steal, when. Every time <laughs> he's on, he's he's running, trying to take the next base. Major leagues, minor leagues, this guy has the most stolen bases in all of professional baseball, any level, and he's playing for the Chihuahuas. So very fun team right now. Wow, that's a, that's a great thing to note right there. Uh, how about the news today, Tim, that Fernando Tatis Jr. getting a little work in. He has no uh, he has no ability to actually hit or anything like that. Can't really join workouts yet. Having some progress. We see a video of him. Uh, what do you think of all the news that we heard today from Fernando Tatis Jr.? I know it's not the best news that people wanted to hear about his return to play, but at least uh, you know maybe good to know that he's at least doing some things. Yeah, I think uh, by and large that was disappointing because the hope was he could start swinging a bat and then maybe a few days after that go on a rehab assignment and then get ready to joining the Padres. But from what I understand, the reports out of San Diego say they're now looking at you know, maybe the All-Star break a, a month from now to when he can really ramp it up and get ready for Major League forms. So um, it's a time that the Padres really do need him. They're playing great. They're tied for first place, but... The hitting has not been great, and he would obviously be someone that instantly changes your offense. So I think that is a tough day for the Padres, but they've been thriving without him. I mean, you know, last year the Atlanta Braves won the World Series, and a lot of the season they didn't have Ronald Acuna, probably their, you know, he and Freddie Freeman, their best players. So you can do it. It's not as if, 
you know, baseball, you, you spread the at-bats around. It's not as if uh, you're a basketball team with one star player. The, the Padres are showing that, but I think they would have loved to have had him back sooner than they will. How about the fact that Ryan Weathers uh, is expected to be called up start tomorrow? I know nothing official, but uh, what can you say about Ryan Weathers and what he's done with El Paso as possibly he could be starting tomorrow for the Padres at Wrigley? Yeah, you're right. Nothing official out there. I saw the San Diego Union-Tribune is reporting that. Uh, What we can say from here is that as of this morning, he was the Chihuahuas' scheduled starting pitcher, but tonight he has been scratched. He is not going to start this game for the Chihuahuas, so... Uh, that could be further evidence there that he is on his way. But as you indicated, nothing official yet. You know, he has had an inconsistent season, but there were a couple of starts that he really was in a groove and pitched well, similar to the weathers that we saw last year. So I think that's the Padres' hope. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if that does happen, what the scenario is for the Padres. Uh, unfortunately, they have multiple members of the coaching staff and a couple of members of the uh, pitching staff on the COVID-19 list. Uh, I wonder if that's the reason why there's an opening for a potential starter, but I don't know. How about an old friend and Adrian Martinez going up against El Paso tonight? He'll be on the bump for Las Vegas, and uh, yeah, that, that's going to be a big one for El Paso to kind of watch tonight. And do you always love talking about Adrian's? Is oh, yeah, that's it. Yes, yeah. The, the Tokayo uh-huh. for me. <laughs> yeah, the Chihuahuas have 70-plus, uh, I'll, I'll check the latest number here, but 70-plus guys that have pitched for the Chihuahuas or played for the Chihuahuas and then gone on to play in the major leagues. And Adrian Martinez is one of those. He was with the Chihuahuas briefly late last year. He was acquired by the Oakland A's. And back in May, he made his major league debut. Pitch outstanding. Uh, When I look at the stats, I'm a little bit surprised that he's had only that one game because the A's are a struggling team in the majors this year. And he was very good at Tiger, uh, almost at Tiger Stadium, (laughs) in Detroit against the Tigers at Comerica Park. Um, So I would not be surprised to see him get some more games for the A's in the big leagues this year. What about uh, what about the um, explosion onto the scene by Robinson Cano? I mean, it, it's been a while since we've had you back, Tim. Uh, I was out on Friday. Uh, that was the big talk of the town on that day. And look at what he's done since. Uh, he's just added some immediate energy to the squad. He has. You're right. Uh, that was a move that caught a lot of people by surprise, including myself. Uh, this was not somebody who was optioned by San Diego he had been released he was a free agent this is him re-signing rejoining the organization on a minor league deal Uh, he would have continued to get his strong major league salary even had he sat at home so I think this is a guy who truly believes he still has some major league games back in him and I I think that he's somebody that is probably fueled by uh, talk shows and online comments that suggest he's done at age 39 uh, he, he's his phrasing I saw in a San Diego interview is that he has more left in the tank. So um, it's interesting, Adrian. You know, some people are asking, what's his injury? They think it's a rehab assignment, but no, this guy is a member of the Chihuahuas. We don't know how long it's going to be, but it's conceivable this guy could be here for a while. What is Luke Westfall bringing tonight? As far as him as the starter for the Chihuahuas on the mound? Yeah, Luke's had some very strong starts uh, lately. He's somebody that is a reliever but is one of the go-to guys when you need a spot starter because prior to this year he did a lot of starting in his career. Uh, The Chihuahua's pitching staff has really been fluid lately. Uh, You mentioned the potential of maybe Ryan Weathers being called up. There are reports that might happen. Reese Kinnear has been up recently. Jesse Schulten's recently returning from the COVID-19 list. Um, So the the pitching staff really has varied day-to-day. There's been a lot of bullpen games lately with who's starting games. And the good news is that the AAA rosters have been expanded a little bit, and there's a day off every week. 
So that makes these bullpen games manageable. You're not necessarily tiring out a pitcher, pitching staff the way that you used to uh, previous summer months. Tim, really appreciate all the time. We'll talk to you here in just a couple minutes. Okay, thanks, Adrian. All right, from uh, from Adrian Bradis, from Sal Montes, Jason Craig, and Angel Munoz over to Southwest University Park, and Tim Haggerty, Chihuahuas baseball coming up next, a six-game series against Las Vegas. That's coming up right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.